Welcome to another episode of Renegade Trade Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, skeptic, and Keller Williams agent. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. Folks, this group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No guru bullshit from the front. No smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. You keep that shit for the other Rias. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down, and now five days a week, with interesting and successful business people getting shit done. I pick their brain for entertainment and hopefully education. And if you haven't already, take a moment, please. If you like this podcast, um, part of the deal I'm making with you guys is I'm doubling the amount of content I'm putting out this year. But what we need to do is we need to grow to 5,000 weekly listeners. we got nine more months to do it, folks. Here's what I need you to do. If you like the podcast, go to iTunes. Please rate and review. Rate and review, please. Very important. In the iTunes world, this matters a lot, a lot, a lot. In fact, that's probably the best thing you could do for the podcast if you enjoy it. The next best thing you can do, we got to increase the listenership, folks. we got to get this out here. I don't mind doing these things, but i got to figure out a way to monetize this, and we need lots of people listening it listening to this to monetize it. So share all over uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, you name it, put it out there, share it with all your friends. And this is, of course, if you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, move right along. All right, folks. And it's also on SoundCloud and all that. So uh, for those who don't know, too, if you it, there is a playlist. I get lots of questions about wholesaling. There's a playlist that is a six-part series. Um, on wholesaling for free that you can go listen to. It's a good start. It's a great start. It's probably something that everybody else will charge you 10 grand for that I just went and put together and uh, did for you guys, right? So you have all those wholesaling questions. That's where I recommend you start first. And I'll know you haven't listened to them when you ask me a question that I covered in that six-part series. So go and do that, folks. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess and go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. All right. Legal disclaimer. Man, don't blame me. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a, an attorney, a lawyer, and or other licensed professionals. We also recommend that uh, you be a fucking adult and don't sue me. All right, folks. Hope you hope you enjoy that. I try to make it funny, but seriously, man, grow the fuck up. Uh, take control of your life and stop blaming others. All right? You make investments. You own them. All right. Time. Time for the Renegade Joint Investors Show Quote of the Week. This is where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And this week, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. David Livingstone. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward by David Livingstone. And I love that quote. I put these out. Try and put them out every day. If you go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club, I try and hit you up every day with a quote. And it's kind of how I start my morning. And I um, I really like that one. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of mistakes in life. Uh, kind of got a late start. And we only get this one life. So 
if you're just sitting around wondering, hey, man, I got plans, but I'm willing to change those plans, uh, but I do need to go forward, not backward. All right, folks, this week we don't have a guest. I scheduled this podcast to to cover all things Detroit. I get so many questions, right? And I just can't possibly answer them all individually and type them out. So this is the podcast, at least for now, at least as of November 2016. And and I'm talking Detroit. I'm talking the city of Detroit, not so much the suburbs, although I will cover some suburb stuff right now. But these are Detroit questions I get. I get a lot of them from people who are local, but mostly from out of state and out of country. And I love helping people, but I'm in this business to make money. And your questions do not make me money. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to compromise because I love you guys too, man. I love you. I love investors. I love how you guys think. I love helping you out. I don't want you to make mistakes, but there is only one of me. And quite frankly, a lot of you guys don't like paying for shit. And you know what? I'm the same way. So I'm not hating. So we're going to do this compromise, right? This compromise is I'm going to cover like 80% of the questions I get. I'm going to do a little layout in the city of Detroit, kind of try. And this is, of course, my personal opinion. Go back and see the disclaimer, all that. 10 years in Detroit, probably about three, probably 400 houses be my guess, three, 350, 400 houses. Um, combination of buy, fix, flip, buy, fix, rent, buy, flip, assignments, wholesales, land contracts, the whole kit and caboodle, even a hodgepodge of commercial real estate, not much mixed in there. So I'm certainly not the definitive, you know, I haven't done thousands like the uh, Ron Wallwavens of the world, but you know, I've made a dent. I know something. And take it with a grain of salt. And these are my opinions. Please do your own due diligence. Remember talking earlier about putting on your big boy and big girl pants? I highly recommend you do that. So let's start with a bird's eye view of the city of Detroit. Uh, A lot of people are confused. Um, First of all, I'm confused when I say Detroit. It is a huge city. Um, You can fit three, pick any three other major cities in the city of Detroit, and they'll all fit within within the country, sorry, they all fit within the city limits of the city of Detroit. It's 140 square miles. So that's a lot of real estate. Uh, one thing that has happened is population has reduced dramatically over the years. And it started obviously in the late sixties with the um, race riots and all that shit. And it has gone down steadily um, every year since then and is still going down. All right. So you have a city that was over a million. Now it's, according to the um, latest census, 750,000, probably significantly less would be my guess. Probably less. I'd say at this point, we're probably less than 650,000 people. So there's a lot of this city. There's a lot of empty spaces. There's a lot of vacant lots and there's a lot of properties and real estate that in the very near future, and I say very near future, probably 10, 15 years is relatively worthless and is going to remain so, right? Um, that's what happens. Population's going down. And and how do you solve these problems? So you, you have less and less of a taxpayer base, and it's not like your infrastructure uh, went away. You still have it. So you still have roads to maintain. Um, but maintain. I'm, I'm joking. They don't really maintain roads, but they try, right? So there's things that still need to be maintained. You got sewer you got roads, you got police, you got emergency services, you got all that stuff, right? And there's huge swaths of Detroit where I would say as an investor are just unworthy of investment. How do you know what these areas are? Well, you get some comps, some comparables. These are houses, prices of houses sold, 
look in the last year, and if every single one of them is less than $10,000, that is one of those neighborhoods where I would not recommend you invest. All right. And there's lots of this. And no, I don't think you should buy vacant lots either. Some exclusions apply, like some hot areas of Detroit where maybe you can build something again or anything near the water, right? But I'm just talking in general. There are huge swaths where it is not worthy of investment from my point of view and my opinion, where most people have already moved out, um, where most of the houses have already been knocked down and the houses that haven't been knocked down need to be knocked down. Uh, A house that's vacant and not knocked down, but not worth enough to rehab, obviously attracts all sorts of problems, crime problems, um, blight problems, sometimes all sorts of shit, right? Um, Some of these tire guys charge you to dispose of tires and they go fill entire houses with tires. I mean, this this shit happens all the time, right? Now the city of Detroit is knocking down these houses, but um, there depends on whose number you use, right? So according to Detroit land bank and they put up multiple numbers. So fuck, I don't know, man, I do the best I can, but there's no really way to tell there's between something like 40 to 80,000 houses that need to be that are functionally obsolete and or need to be demoed, torn down, right? And they're spread across the city. And I would say probably more, probably more, but no way to know. And these are across large swaths of the city. So now it is a huge city though, right? So when I moved here in 2007, uh, downtown Detroit had been on its way back, but obviously with the crash of 2007, 2008, there is a huge setback, but by and large, downtown, the core of downtown Detroit is fucking amazing, right? Now, it's not perfect. Um, not enough people still hang out down there during the day. Not enough people still hang out there during the week, most weeks, unless there's some sort of sports game going on or something like that, but a lot more than used to. It's also very safe. City of Detroit patrols it regularly. Lots of private security. So from a city that's still one of the most dangerous cities in America, uh, downtown Detroit is very nice and coming back. Um, retail, still struggling with some retail because not enough people during the week. But the lunch crowd is great. Lots of professionals working down there. You got Dan Gilbert, Quicken Loans, doing all that stuff. And he's not the only one. There's a lot of ancillary businesses. Anyway, this is not meant to be comprehensive, just pointing out. So you got this core downtown, right? And from this core downtown, if you're looking at a map, maybe you should pull it up, go to your Google Maps. You notice that the city of Detroit is a spoke city, meaning it has a bunch of roads going out in spokes, right? So you kind of got Jefferson, east and west. It kind of runs, we'll call it a baseline of some sort. And that runs pretty much um, east and west, right? That would be along the water. And from there, if you start in the west and start heading east, you have uh, Michigan Avenue, right? And Michigan Avenue is one spoke that comes out. Um, You have Grand River. That's uh, another smoke that comes out. You have Woodward and you have Gratiot. And those are the main ones. Um, There are a few smaller ones like Ford Road, right? But they kind of pinwheel out, right? And basically the city's uh, divided east and west by Woodward, right? In the northernmost boundary of the city would be the famous or infamous, depending on you, consider it Eight Mile Road, right? So if you're looking at a map, you got the core downtown, you have east-west running, that's Jefferson, and then you have Michigan, Grand River, Woodward, and Gratiot. These are the main spokes come out, 
right? That would be, and these are all kind of one heading northwest to northeast to just north, and maybe north a little bit west, right? So, and these spokes, and then eight mile at the tippy top, right? And that's the border. So that's the city. You got this core downtown, and then surrounding this core, there's some interesting things happening, right? Now, this is not going to be perfect. Pull out your map, you can look at it, but you got um, things like Corktown, right? Corktown's coming back. Not all of Corktown's coming back, but in general, Corktown's coming back and has been for a while. Also, lots of speculation. And what do I mean by speculation? A lot of people buying houses or buying commercial buildings, anticipating because of the interest that prices will continue to go up. And this isn't based on some sort of rental cash flow. This isn't based on a bunch of homeowners moving in. This is based on the perception that the area is going to do better. It's going to be the next area of development, right? So you have that. Um, you have areas like Woodbridge, which are like half redeveloped now, right? So Woodbridge is right in there too, just outside that little core right there. It's right next to or very close to Wayne State University, and they call it the Woodbridge area. And I just flipped uh, wholesale the property there on Putnam, great area. Lots of houses there now selling in the six figures. Um, so we're talking like 150 to 200,000, maybe even more than 200,000 if it's bigger, right? And then shit, five, six years ago, you can buy all this stuff for less than 100,000. Got a good friend, bought a frame house there, adopted a dog for me. And now her frame house, a duplex, that she bought for significantly less than 100,000 is now worth significantly more than 200,000, right? So a lot of speculation there as well and lots of opportunities and there's price points everywhere, right? So there's brick, there's frame, the brick stuff tends to do better than that. Um, then you have new center, um, relatively mostly developed, um, same with midtown, still some opportunities, some single family home opportunities, some commercial opportunities, lots of speculation, lots and lots of speculation, right? Not ba- when I say speculation, not based on numbers and not looking at previous sold, not looking at homeowners, although there certainly are some of that, but just the idea that Detroit's coming back and they're buying it, sitting it, holding on it, waiting for prices to go up to sell for more or speculation for developers, right? Buying land. We're kind of having a little bit of a commercial boom here in um, Metro Detroit in the Metro Detroit area, not just Detroit. And this is one of the areas where there's lots of speculation. There's also lots of big boys and girls in there, right? People with lawyers buying big things, underhanded shady deals, right? Intense competition, lots of that. And there's plenty of that along the Woodward corridor too, right? So if you take Woodward, that's one of the spokes coming out. This is where the uh, alleged light rail, I don't know how you feel about that, but the light rail is going in. It's going to take you from downtown Detroit to 8 Mile. Tons of speculation along there too, but also tons of opportunity. They're building it. They should be done sometime next year. Um, Obviously, for commercial, depending on how close you are to downtown Detroit, lots of speculation along there, and that happened immediately. So most of that's already done. A lot of those properties have already been bought and sold right so right through there and then you kind of go over on the the east side and there's some pockets in there as well there's eastern market and that's been very active and developing and improving constantly improving um a lot of these storefronts eastern market um, development if you go and listen to the podcast i did um dan i I always butcher his name dan carmody whatever he's an executive director um he came and spoke at um 
and one of the events I attended and I recorded it for Mr. David Brooks and it was excellent. He kind of went over that. Anyway, they've been improving the storefronts, trying to keep um, small uh, businesses from getting priced out. And even he talked about the speculation and trying to get that price per square foot down. Who knows if we're in a bubble, all that. Anyway, so that's kind of like your core, right? Then you start moving out to neighborhoods and it kind of gets sketchy um, pretty fast. But there's pockets of good neighborhoods, right? So as we can, let's say that we had... Um, just north of Dearborn in the city of Detroit, a little area called Warrendale, right? Kind of a little sub-secret there, mostly frame houses. When I say frame uh, built by wood and vinyl-sided or um, aluminum-sided or sometimes still asbestos-sided, depending on how old the house is and when the last time it was updated, and a sprinkling of brick homes, right? This is a great rental area. Um, I would say avoid frame houses in general with a few exceptions, Um they tend not to do as well, rent for as much or anything like that. Anyway, you can still buy lots of houses in there. And that's kind of, so if, you, if you're looking at it on the map, that's going to be right where Ford Road is. It's going to be west of Southfield and Ford all the way to Telegraph. And I'd say about as far north is Tireman, right? So that's an area you, lots of people invest in there. Um, the strategy a lot of people go with there because you can't really flip in there for the most part is a buy and hold and rent strategy, right? So what they're doing is they're buying, they're fixing them up and they're renting them out because you do get pretty good rent, especially a three bedroom, one bath, maybe one and a half bath basement right in there. Um, you're going to want to be aggressive on the frame stuff. You're going to buy, just buy it as cheap as you can right now. Obviously if it needs a lot of work, Look at the whole price, folks, not just the price you're purchasing at, but consider what it's going to cost to fix it up. And generally, it costs more than what you think it's going to cost to fix it up. Right. So this area, um, this would be a medium risk area and you would want to buy multiple houses. Right. So let me talk about let me explain what I'm talking about here. Right. So you can get into a ton of frame stuff all in at fifteen thousand dollars. That would be purchase and rehab through just about anybody, um, three bedroom, one bath frame, and it'll rent for seven fifty to eight fifty. Yeah, I shit you not. It will rent from seven fifty to eight fifty. What's the downside, Jeremy? Well, being a landlord in the city of Detroit is not the funnest thing, right? First of all, the laws here <clears throat> they're not really regressive like California or uh, the state of California or New York, but it's kind of like a, a halfway in between. There's a lot of rights that can quit paying rent. On average, it's going to take you something like four to six weeks to get them out. A lot of times when you're evicting them, they tear the house up. They steal your shit on the way out. Your furnace disappears. Um, your hot water tank disappears and or it happens when it's vacant, right? So maybe your tenants just leave and you didn't have to evict them. Rare. Um, and then the neighborhood just reclaims your shit, right? So, hey, I'm looking for an upgrade of my furnace or I need some new kitchen cabinets, right? That stuff happens all the time, right? So, and these houses don't have an incredible amount of value. Most of their value is derived from the fact that they do rent well. And that's kind of the downside of the area, but talk about some of the good sides of the area. First of all, it's really close to the Ford headquarters, right? It's really close to a lot of shopping and Dearborn, nice city, uh, great people. And this area has a, you know, the demographics are different, right? So you, you have a lot of, um, um, a lot, so you have white people, you have black people, and you have a lot of people from the Middle East all living together. And especially the people from the Middle East are very entrepreneurial. So in a sense, it is kind of a little oasis, right, for people who are 
they want to work, they're working it forward or they're working their way up, starter family, uh, start a business, want to be close to family in Dearborn, but can't afford to pay Dearborn prices. So you kind of move in to a Warrendale right there. And that's why these houses rent so well if you fix them up nice too, right? I'm not talking slum lord shit, but like if you actually fix them up. So um, that's one strategy right through there. I'm talking single family homes. You definitely want three bedroom. You definitely want a basement. Um, you definitely want updated windows, things like that. But there's lots of diamonds in the rough through there. And you got to do the work to go through and pick through that stuff, right? And I would say kind of do the best you can. Um, if you can, stay south of Tyreman. Even better if you could stay south of Joy, right? So, or Joy. Sorry, I did that reverse. Joy and Tyreman, whichever way it is. Anyway. So then you got areas like Rosedale Park and Grandmont, right? So that's if you go up north where Grand River and Southfield Freeway meet. And if you head west from there, you have North Rosedale Park, which is on the north side of Grand River, and that goes all the way to Evergreen. And then you have just Rosedale Park, right? Now, this area is interesting. You're going to pay a lot more for a house. Like right now, man, unless you're buying at the auction or you're getting really aggressive, it's going to be pretty hard to get a house for less than 30000 before work, right? So you're looking at after repair values, fixed up values, and anywhere from the 80000 up to the 350000 range. These are beautiful homes, gorgeous homes, um, amazing. They have private security. They have vacant property task force that meets at Always Brewing Detroit. The community is very active. They're walking around. Your house doesn't look good. They cite it. Um, this is also one of the areas where the city of Detroit land bank, um, a quasi government, quasi private, um, land thief program is targeting neighborhoods. I call it land thief program, but they're trying to improve the city by stealing property from homeowners in an effort to improve it. But instead we're just going to auction it off to our friends and relatives. So corruption run amok, but these are great neighborhoods. Flipping is possible here, right? Some of these houses are huge, though, and have been updated in a long time, so it's very easy to underestimate how much work a house like this needs. And if you are going to flip a house to homeowner in the city of Detroit, you're going to have to get a certificate of occupancy. You're going to have to go through that and just be careful. But this would be like, this would be a, I would say these are solid A to A-plus neighborhoods through here. And the further south you go, all the way to Linden, the worse it gets and the lower the comps it gets. Or the lower, well, my English is terrible. The lower the comps go down. The comps go down lower and lower. The, the closer, the further you get away from Grand River, Grand River heading south. And then when you're heading north, the closer you get to six mile, um, you're going to have a bigger problem, right? So be careful. Make sure when you're comparing houses to compare apples to apples because you have your 1,400 square foot colonial all the way up to your 4,000, 5,000 square foot mansion, right? So when you're looking at comps and unfortunately where there's great opportunity, you know, there's a bunch of fucking savages and not in a good way, right? Just looking to rape, pillage and plunder, right? So they'll take and they'll send you uh, the comps for these $150,000 home and then they'll sell you a home with 1,500 less square feet that isn't up to date that's you know, three quarters a mile away, right next to six mile and try and make you the same thing, make a value proposition and sell you a house you should be buying for 40, you know, for 60 or 80, right? So just be careful, but lots of opportunity. Um, you can rent here. Your rent ratio to purchase ratio isn't going to be as good, but you are going to have in general um, better tenants, 
probably less turnover, but you're going to have more problems too. You're definitely going to have a good property management company. You're definitely going to want to keep up on it because they have this vacant property task force that literally meets every month. And they walk the neighborhood flagging houses, bad roofs. I swear these ladies have rulers when they're going around measuring your grass. Make sure it's over four inches. They'll call the city. They'll get you fined. Um, city will come out, cut your grass, charge you a bunch of money. You're going to want your A game for this neighborhood because it's an A to A plus neighborhood, right? Then as you continue to head north right through here, um, I would say probably as far uh, west as Evergreen. And you can go pretty much from six mile to eight mile from Evergreen all the way over to Livernois, right? And that is prime real estate, right? This is where I like to do most of my work. I'll do work other places, but this is where, you know, these are my kind of people, man. These are hardworking, blue collar, um, you know, a lot of people, thirty to $40,000 a year making decent money. Um, you have pretty much three houses. They're all about, you know, 1,000 to 1,400 square feet. So you have your typical Detroit bungalow, which is a three-bedroom, one-bath basement, two beds on the first floor, one bed on the second floor, garage, rent for, if you do it nice, anywhere from 750 to 900 depending on how nice you rehab it and how nice that particular block is, right? Then you have your even rarer, your three-bedroom, one-bath ranch, right? All on one floor, all three bedrooms on one floor, about 1,000 square feet. It's one of the smaller ones. And then your colonial, which ranges from anywhere from 1,200 to 1,400 square feet, where all the bedrooms are on the second floor. You have a living room and a dining room and a family room and usually a half bath. And these rent for a little bit more. These are pretty much the three houses you have through here. And you can still buy lots of stuff in here. Buy and fix, by the way, in that thirty to $40,000 range, right? So, And that's purchase and rehab. Right. And this is if you're getting after it, right? You're just not going on the MLS and buying something. You, I'm, I'm talking about prices where I'm assuming you're going to work to get a deal and you know how to buy and fix, right? I'm giving you that. I'm assuming that, right? Um, if you're buying, anyway, I'm not going to go too far into that. Great neighborhoods. Uh, not all of it. Not all of it. I say about 75% of it, right? Um, the closer you get to eight mile, some neighborhoods that's bad, some neighborhoods that's good, Right, so I'm not going into every little detail, but you're kind of getting the idea. So then it gets even the the tippy 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 top, the cream of the crap, the very very best in Detroit. This is one of the very best. Um, this would be if you go. Remember, we said we want to go about as far east as Livernois. Once you cross Livernois, especially Livernois and Seven Mile, and head northeast from there all the way to Woodward. That's the nice stuff, right? So what are we talking about here? We're talking about Sherwood Forest, um, Palmer Woods, right through here. Fantastic. There's a golf course. There's a cemetery. There are the Dealey Group that I'm a part of sold a house for a shit ton of money back there. It's like $335,000. Again, beautiful homes. And again, you, you have a wide spectrum. So be careful where opportunity is. You got lots of wolves, not the good ones, right? Looking to eat your guts, steal your money. So you got homes selling for 350000 all the way down um, to probably not less than maybe fixed up somewhere in that fifty to 70000 range, right? So, and, and that's kind of the spectrum you have. Um, there are some buy, fix, and flip opportunities in here. There are certainly some buy, fix, and rent opportunities in here. 
I would say the same thing as Rosedale Park and Grandmont. Um, you're definitely going to want to have your A game. These are neighborhoods that are patrolled. These are neighborhoods where people care, where they pay attention, where they're going to report you. If you don't have your A game, so you're bringing a bunch of shitty Section 8 people and they're not mowing the grass, they're just doing a bunch of shady shit or you're not keeping your house up, you're going to have problems here, right? But um, great houses, great neighborhoods. So obviously, in these neighborhoods, you're going to be in for a lot more money. Like I would probably say on average, if you're going to buy and fix in here, you're probably going to buy and you're going to rent it out the cheapest you can probably do it somewhere between 50 to 80,000, right? And these houses are rent anywhere from on the low end 850 all the way up to the really nice stuff, that $350,000 stuff, you might get 1500, 1600. You're like, "Wait a second, that doesn't go up the same way." Yeah, I know. It's one of the funny things about Detroit. The nicer properties when they go up, um that isn't necessarily I mean, when they go up in value doesn't necessarily reflect an increase in rent and a lot of these rents depend on how nice you rehab the house there's lots of strategies on this right and i'll get to that later i'm just kind of covering the geography at first right just a little blush going over there so great neighborhoods lots of high values flip opportunities rent opportunities definitely want to have your a game i tend to avoid these areas um unless i'm flipping for rentals um, but you know what? That's just me. And then if you go seven mile south, right? So if you go from seven mile to six mile in Livernois and then go east of Livernois right to there, it's called university district. And this neighborhood just blew up. You want to talk about regret, man, oh man, oh man, regrets. Whew. I missed some great opportunities in there. Literally three years ago, I could have bought houses in there for 35, 40, maybe $50,000, Trying to get something there less than $150,000 now, it has to be an absolute shit pit. It's going to need a ton of rehab. And these houses are mostly colonial, mostly large. Most of them are more than 1,500 square feet. Some of them are significantly more. And that two to 3,000 square feet, and they just, they've been buying, fixing, flipping. And this would be, I'd consider a flip area, right? Because they're not going to rent very well in comparison to what you can sell them for. Lots of flip opportunities, um, a little bit of speculation for sure um, that tends to creep into all these areas where you can flip and where property prices increase dramatically as has happened in the university district here. So be on your toes on that. There's a lot of people just buying because they think they're going to keep going up, right? That's what we call speculation. They don't know. They're not, they don't have a plan. They just think the prices are going to keep going up. So they're buying now, right? Great, great properties. If you go south of that six mile, but you're still east of Livernois, lots of opportunity to open up in there. Um, now you have a mix of houses. So you have some university district kind of houses where you're kind of, you know, you got that two to 3,000 square feet, but you also got a lot of your just 1,400 to 1,800 square feet houses and the comps jump. So this this is a great area. Um, some more speculation, unfortunately. You're going to find a lot in life when you're dealing in areas where people start making money and prices start going up. There's a lot of speculation, right? But this would be a great rental area. This could be a great flip area. In general, I've done a couple of deals over here of late. Um, I really, I really like it for that. Um, I think target this area. One of my personal favorites. Obviously, uh, don't have to. You're just, again, make sure you have an A game, right? People care. Maybe not as much as University District, but that's changing rapidly. Um, want to have your A game? You want to keep your house up. So on and so forth, right? <clears throat> now let's head east, 
right. We want to head east. And as we head east, uh, man, it's kind of ugly right through there for a little bit, right? You got East State Fair, a lot of frame houses. Um, these houses were never nice, right? This this was always the or the working class neighborhood. A few things here or there um, set aside, right? Um, a lot of frame houses with some brick mixed in. You kind of kind of move over, and if you continue heading east, it actually gets better. Um, especially the closer to eight mile you are, you don't want to be within the first couple blocks of eight mile for the most part. But once you start getting those brick neighborhoods, um, you start doing a lot better. However, prices have not really recovered in these neighborhoods. So we're talking about like when you get out to Gratiot, we'll say seven mile to eight mile, and then Gratiot would be your your western border and head east right through there. Good pockets right through there, but prices really haven't recovered much. Okay. Um, Good if you're that medium risk investor, maybe even that high risk investor, you get some beautiful brick homes, you can buy them pretty cheap. You're going to have some neighborhood problems. You're going to have theft, you're going to have vacancy, you're going to have tenant turnover. And this is an area where I think you should be particularly careful, even if you're a seasoned vet, right? Why do I say that? Well, the jackals, my friends, the fucking jackals, right? These, um, buy, fix, uh, turnkey rental people, they love buying these homes because, first of all, they do look like a million dollars. I swear to God, you should look at some of these. I mean, these houses were built by a man who knew how to fucking build houses, man. Amazing houses. We're talking lime, keystone, accents, all sorts of shit. You just have to look at some pictures. Gorgeous. And they can buy them pretty cheap, and they'll do a shit fix-up job on them too, and they'll put a tenant in, for like 700 to 850 bucks because they do tend to rent well. And then they'll sell to you for some ridiculous price for like $50,000, right? A cash price, $50,000. He's like, oh, it looks great. And you don't know any better. Hey, I'm not mocking you. I'm just telling the truth how it is, right? This area right through here, this northeast side, you definitely, um, man, I would not want to be in more than $25,000 at the very most, right? At most, at the very tippy top, and yes, they can still sell you that house and make money, and you get you can get a decent house and do that. And then, if you're going to buy in this area, you want to buy multiple. Safety in numbers. So, all right. Then when you head, you start heading south through there. You get close to Maras, and you get this strip along Maras. It's actually pretty dang good, pretty sticking good, right? So you got um, if you start at eight mile. And you look for Meringue Maras, and you run that. So Maras would be the is about as far uh, east as you can go. There are a few more streets over that are Detroit after Maras, but most of them are just shit frame houses. So I'm talking about Maras, and then head west right back there until you hit Meringue. Nice strip of houses. Uh, Going to rent better. Same thing as what I was talking about before. Beautiful homes. A good mix of bungalow. Good mix of uh, colonial, mostly brick right through here. This would be kind of like what I consider that good part of Northwest Detroit that I really like, right? Some possibilities, some, still really early, some flipping opportunities, right? Some, still good rental area. Um, I like this area. You could probably, you're probably going to be all in this area somewhere in the 30, 35,000, maybe 40, right? So obviously prices have gone up, started to recover, 
you're starting to get some homeowner sales in that 40, 45,000 range, maybe even 50. Um, that's always a good sign too when homeowners want to come back and move and you can get financing. So that's one of the things I look for in neighborhoods, especially for flipping. And then if we kind of head further south, we cross over 94. And then we're kind of in that same little thing I was talking about before from Gratiot, seven mile north, all that, right? So good houses, great houses, in fact, and uh, not so great of people. You can still buy them really cheap. Um, and it kind of works that way the farther south you head. There is an exception in here, though, a beautiful exception, right? And this would be what we call East English Village, right? So now you're... East English Village is actually a relatively small area, and you can tell. And it has a mix of houses. It's kind of similar to Rosedale Park. Um, maybe not quite as nice, though, but similar style houses and a similar mix, right? So meaning you can go from 1,000 square feet to like 2,500 square feet, and you can go from a bungalow to a big colonial, and you can buy fixed flip in these areas. Highly competitive, very speculative, um, good rentals too. And the further you kind of move out. So if, if you're looking like on a map and kind of deciding where to look in the East, you have outer drive East and on the West, you go about as far West as Cajou. And that's not how it's spelled. It's French. So it's C-A-D-I-E-U-X. Cajou. They say Cajou here in Detroit. And, um, you don't want to be any further north than Harper or any well, any further south than Mac, and you're not in Detroit anymore. So that's not that many blocks. Whereas that the one, two, three, four, five, six or seven blocks um, by maybe ten blocks, right? Good mix, like it a lot. Um, definitely something worth looking at. And if you continue east from there, I like that area too, right? And then you're back into uh, there's definitely some frame houses mixed in there, but otherwise you're back into you know. 30 to 40,000 range. East English Village, though, you get prices anywhere as low, maybe as low as 50, right? Maybe 40 if you kind of sneak in along the outer edges, maybe not as good a house. Um, all the way up to 150, maybe. I think I even saw some sales at 180, right? And these are big houses, too. So you got the whole spectrum in square footage, number of rooms, style of houses. Definitely worth looking at. Um, and as you continue to head west, um, kind of gets bad fast, right? So when you head west, definitely you're in that um, kind of like that part I was talking about, northeast Detroit right there. We can still buy houses pretty cheap, fix them up cheap, definitely risky. You're going to want to buy lots of them, right? Safety in numbers, that kind of thing. Um, you definitely don't want to be in. I would say as as best you can, not more than twenty thousand dollars. This says October two thousand six or November two thousand sixteen. Anyway, um, definitely want to be cheap. And then as you continue to move west along there, so we're following Mac and we're we're heading west. We're going to come into a pocket which is very highly speculative, but I think shows some promise. Right. So believe it or not, there's a lot of canals in this part of Detroit. And what you're looking for is it's kind of alter road right there would be the, the um, cutoff, right? So when you're looking alter road and you go down the Jefferson, all the way down the Jefferson and alter on the east side would be uh, Gross Point. 
And on the west side of that would be Detroit. So you want, and there's canals all through there. And this is a mix of frame and brick houses, right? And the stuff on the right on the canal, there's some good comps at 70, 80. And then you go a few streets in and it's right back down in the ditch, right? So some opportunity there, definitely dangerous. Some rentals, some flip opportunities, some speculation, some urban farming shit happening in there too. Interesting mix, right? And then as you continue to head west and you just follow Mac, you're going to come to probably the creme de la creme, the very best of Detroit, um, something called Indian Village, right? And these are just frankly mansions, right? There's Now there's there's definitely a few um, smaller houses worked in there, but even most of the smaller houses are pretty spectacular, right? And if you're looking on a map, it's located um, uh, Iroquois and Seminole in between Jefferson and Mac Avenue, if you're looking on a map, right? And there's mansions. Uh, you're generally not going to do buy uh, buy and rent here, right? So this is just be a buy fix flip opportunity, or maybe if you want to live there as a homeowner, it's a historical district, private security, all sorts of shit. Great neighborhood. Definitely want your a game. Going to get reported to the city. Going to be micromanaged to death if you're not doing everything correctly. Uh, excellent area. Um, seen that go all the way down and come all the way back up. I don't know if we're at the tippy top again. Who knows? But certainly way better um, than it was before, right? And if we continue to follow um, East Jefferson, now you're heading back west down to the city of Detroit core. And some opportunities there, especially the stuff south of Jefferson. There's more mansions back through there. In fact, um, the mayor's mansion is back through there. Um, Other houses, some yacht clubs, things like that right through there. And then you start seeing the Detroit River Walk right through there. And you start entering that East English Village. Some opportunity in there, too. Anyway, there you go. There's the down and dirty bird's eye view. I left a lot out, right? Because I'm not doing comprehensive. I'm just, in general, that's the look you're looking at the city. That's the look of the opportunity you're looking at the city. That explains the price ranges for people that are are, are curious, right? So if you pull comps and you start seeing all the prices below 10000 probably avoid it, right? You see some comps in the 20000 maybe an opportunity. I like that thirty to 40000 range, and then it goes on up from there. It's neighborhood-specific. It's block-by-block-specific. Things you want to target and look for. Um, any finance sales, any homeowners moving in, right? Always a good sign. Flipping activity by other investors to homeowners is a good sign, right? I like seeing some of that. Homeowners in general, and this is a gross um, oh, gross generalization, but homeowners in general are better than renters. They take care of things better. They have ownership position, obviously lots of exceptions, but in general, we want homeownership or as much of it as we can get in the neighborhoods we're investing in, right? I like these... My favorite buy and hold is in that thirty to forty thousand range in those good neighborhoods where there's homeowners again, maybe the houses are selling for forty five fifty. I could sneak in and at that thirty thousand dollar range, maybe thirty five, get eight hundred, nine hundred bucks a month rent, get some appreciation opportunity where you know homes are selling for fifty, maybe they start selling for fifty five and sixty, which we're starting to see. 
So I know I'm not just getting a good rent, but I'm also get the potential for appreciation, right? I always say potential because who fucking knows, right? Who knows? Nobody really knows, but they are going up. Prices are going up. So let's talk strategy now that I gave you a general, very, very brief, probably not perfect. Check a lawyer, all that stuff. Do the best you can. Do your own research. Strategies. If you're interested in investing in the city of Detroit, you need to be a certain kind of person. First of all, under the best of circumstances, Detroit's a medium risk investment. Under the best of circumstances. This is assuming you don't go off into that five dollars to $10,000 house land, right? Where there, Or even worse, where you go to look and try and find a, a sale and nobody sold a home in the last two years. Yeah. Now, sometimes that is a sign that people just don't want to move in the neighborhoods that could, but not in Detroit, not in general, right? Or there's six houses on the block, right? So lots of strategies here, right? Most of these strategies break down to single family homes, not multifamily homes. So I'm focusing on single family homes right now, and it's a buy, fix, rent, and hold model, right? So what I would consider the A version of this would be in that $30,000 range-ish, maybe thirty-five, dollars and maybe twenty-five. dollars So let's say twenty-five dollars to thirty-five, dollars because maybe you get a really good deal. It's still possible. You work your ass off. But that twenty-five dollars to $35,000 all-in number, they're going to rent for $750 to $850. You know, I like that. I like that a lot. Three-bedroom. You definitely want to stick to brick. You definitely want a basement. You definitely want... If you can get two baths, it's really hard to get two baths. Um, most of the time, you're going to get one to one and a half baths. But you can get two baths even better, right? Um, this this is what I like, right? And there's plenty of people who will sell you a turnkey property. What do I mean by turnkey? People who will buy, fix, rent out, and just sell you a property ready to go. Now, most of the time, they're going to they're gonna probably charge you an extra $10,000 on top. At least the good ones are. They're going to charge you $10,000 on top. Now, if you're working with some of the bad ones, maybe they they do this. That's their profit. Then they move it to um, a company either in England or in Australia or Spain somewhere where they're hitting these phone centers where they tack on another $10,000, $20,000 themselves, and they just hit the phones and they sell, right? They target people looking for retirement income, all that kind of thing. Um, you're going to pay more. You're going to pay more. So you have to choose, right? You have to choose. Are you going to build a team or are you going to buy a team? You're going to have to do one or the other. You cannot um, do both at the same time. So, And anytime somebody's trying to sell you both at the same time, that means you're being scammed, right? Who in their right mind? I'm a nice guy, but I'm not going to go find you a deal, fix it up, super, super nice, rent it out um, to a highly qualified tenant, place it with an excellent property management company, and then give you a hell of a deal. Why the fuck would I? I really want you to, to focus in on this because a lot of this is your own damn fault for being scammed, right? I don't know if your mother told you if it's too good to be true, it is. If you find you didn't work your ass off for it, it's probably too good to be true, okay? And this is something you want to avoid because a lot of these jackals We'll pick that area that I was talking about um, where you can still buy a lot of houses for five to 10, do a shit rehab on, but they still rent well, section eight, whatever, or maybe they don't even have a renter in it. They're just lying to you about it, right? And then sell it to you at the same 40 or maybe even 35, like, oh, I'm getting a deal. 
So now you're buying in a C neighborhood at 35 to 40, right? Maybe even 45. And you go, ah, but I'm getting a bargain over that guy charging me probably 35. Let's say 35. When you can be at 35 or 40 in that A neighborhood, right? Where you did the rehab right, where somebody where somebody made money. What I'm saying is, God damn it, just stop being so fucking naive. And so if you didn't fall for this shit, they wouldn't be doing it. Okay. Now, hey, I'm not hating on the victims here, right? Do your due diligence. Do your due diligence. Fly out to Detroit. Drive it. Meet with multiple property management companies here. I'm getting on my high horse here. I'm I'm getting diverted. So I'm gonna circle back around in this conversation, right? So these A properties that I was telling you about, you're gonna have to make a decision. And your decision is to build a team or buy a team, right? And also you're gonna need to make a decision to buy more than one. Anybody, anytime somebody asks me about I'm buying this house in Detroit. My next question is, how many you plan on buying? Well, I was just going to buy this one and try it out. I do not recommend that at all. I say, if you're going to do that, go to the suburbs or pick another city. Detroit is a medium risk investment at best. There is safety in numbers, right? Safety in numbers. And the cool thing about Detroit is you can get 10 of these A properties by fix and rent and be all in in that $35,000 range. So you're looking at $350,000 for 10 brick houses, rent at $750 to $850 a month. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So let's say one or two go down. And in the meantime, when I go down, meaning you have to evict them or they move out. In the meantime, somebody breaks in, steals the furnace and hot water tank, creates a couple thousand dollars in damage. If you have one property, you cannot afford two or three months vacancy plus to rehab this thing every time something goes wrong. You end up negative and in the weeds fast, okay? This is why you need numbers. And what I have found is 10 is kind of the number because at any point in time, two or three are going to shit, right? Then you have two or three kicking ass. When I say kicking ass, I'm talking like 20, 30% return, right? And then you get that stuff in the middle kind of just doing okay. You know, not doing great, not doing bad. You're banging out a solid 12, 13%. And in the aggregate, your number's probably looking like 18 to 22% return on investment. And you're not worried about the two or three that get hit, hit up on the way out because you're taking some of your cash flow from the other seven and pouring it in to those three. You see where I'm going with this? This is what happens. You need safety in numbers, right? Now, if we go down to this B, same sort of thing, but now the numbers are lower. I'm talking probably in that B category, you're looking at 20K, right? Maybe 25K, right? So we'll say 20 to 25K. They're going to rent for 650 to 750-ish, depending on the rehab you do. And as you can already tell, you're like, whoa, that's more, if you're doing your numbers, that's a higher return on investment, right? Well, yes and no. Your turnover is going to be a lot higher here, right? Um, but you're also not going to do as nice a rehab either. You're going to have more stress, but this range for somebody with a strong stomach, which is not me, I like this A category up here, but this B category, somebody like, who, you know, you know who you are, you know, you're not risk adverse at all. You don't mind how, the kind of person that would do this would have 10 of these B houses in the 2025 wouldn't give a shit if one of them burned down and he didn't even bother to fix it up because it wasn't insured, Right. That's the kind of person that needs to be in this B range, right? Stacking them up. 
You can make a killing in this range if you can stomach the ups and downs. And it's the same sort of scenario, but worse, right? You're going to have three doing really poorly. You're going to have three doing freaking awesome. And you're going to have the shit in the middle. I'm not doing kind of just plodding along, right? The more extremes, right? So your return on investments are going to be higher here. Houses aren't as good. Potential for capital appreciation is not as good. Um, tenant turnover rates higher. But if you're willing to stomach all that, in general, you're going to have a, a higher return, right? At least as far as return on investments go, your annual ROI, right? This doesn't take into account appreciation or anything like that, right? So, And you're going to probably want in that 10 to 20 range. You're going to want a little bit more numbers here. And this is kind of, you see where I'm going with this, right? Then you end up in the C. I recommend not going lower than C. Anything lower than C, and it's, in my opinion, complete speculation or complete slumlordery. I just made that uh, just made that up right there. Slumlordery, right? Where you can't you can't hardly keep anybody decent in. Section eight won't even rent it. You're 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 dealing with people who can't even get into B or C, right? But in this C category. You're going to want to stay not more. You're going to want to be in that ten dollars to $15,000 range. And you're going to want to stack 20 of these, right? You're going to want to stack 20 of these properties. Now, obviously, you're not going to buy 20 at once. But you need to go in with the intention of knowing, hey, look, for me to be safe with this, I really kind of need 20 of these properties, right? Because it's insurance. Um, you keep buy one, buy it, fix it, rent it, buy it, fix rent, and do that. By that time, by the time you get to five or six, you probably have a problem with the first one. There's safety and numbers and looking at it as an investment um, in the aggregate. I highly recommend that. These are single family homes. Um, A and B are definitely going to be brick only. The C, a lot of frame pops in here. And I do want to draw your attention to where you can get B houses at C prices if you're willing to give up the brick, and that would be Warrendale. Warrendale, that area I was telling you about before. These houses are not sexy at all, right? We're talking about frame houses, three bedroom, one bath, mostly bungalows with a basement, aluminum sided or frame sided, practically no hope of capital appreciation whatsoever. Um, you can't flip, but man, do they rent well. And do they rent well for the price you can buy at? You can be all in and more in doubt. $15,000 in a frame house regularly. I've done some deals where, and it's hard work, so I don't want to discount it or tell you fishtails or whatever, but if you work your ass off, you can even get all in at 10 on some of these, right? Now, you're going to have to be on the ground. You're going to have to have lots of experience. You're going to have to have a network of leads. You're going to have to know how to put together a team, right, which I'm getting to as well. Um. But there's some opportunity there where you can buy at C prices and get in B neighborhoods. But back to C, um, these C neighborhoods, just you don't want to rehab them very well. Um, you definitely want it to pass all inspections, but you're not going out of your way, right? You're, you're letting things get wore out. Your turnover is going to be high, and you're going to want more numbers. You want to invest at a lower number. And a significant percentage of these houses are going to be framed, but this would apply to some stuff on the east side as well. And even some stuff on the west side and some pockets I didn't um, talk about here, right? These C neighborhoods. And what are we talking about in rent? We're talking like in that um, 450 to 600 range, right, for the C stuff. But you see where I'm going here? I know you busted out your calculator. You go, wait a second. I'm all in at 15 and I get 500 a month. Time. Yes, that's 
that's exactly why you do this. Big ups, big downs, right? So if you're this person, C is definitely high risk. A is medium risk. B is medium to medium high risk. C is just high risk, period, end of report. Tons of opportunity for growth if you have the stomach and you have the team and you don't mind the ups and downs. I Man, don't do C if you're that, unless you're that person and you know who you are. And if you have any doubt that you are, that you're the C person, you're not. If, if you have doubt, you're not. I know some people, um, they just, they're fearless. To them, it is just numbers. There's no emotion in it whatsoever. They don't care if they have to evict them again because they, all they do is they look at their spreadsheet. I find most, the vast majority of people are not like that. I'm not like that. Uh, it keeps me awake at night thinking of shit like that. I don't know if you're like that or not. It's just, just know who you are when you're doing these things. Moving right along. All right. Strategies. I'm going to build, I want to go back and cover this build a team or buy a team. So building a team, unless you're willing to travel here, if you're overseas or out of state, out of country, you're very unlikely to build a team without traveling to Detroit. Anybody who tells you different, I'm not saying they're lying. There are some good people. And when I did it, I was one of the good people. Um, but it's rare, all right? It's rare and it's thankless and it's difficult to to do these things and to sell. It's going to be hard to build a team. You're going to want to travel to Detroit. And if you're going to do this, you're going to want to buy more than one. You're probably going to travel to Detroit a couple times a year at least, all right? In fact, your first couple of trips to Detroit before you even buy should be putting together a team interviewing people, looking at opportunities. Yes, there are going to be some people trying to make you to make some decisions. You're going to miss an opportunity. There's going to be more opportunities, right? You're going to have to travel. Um, you're going to have to meet with people. You're going to have to have a Skype. You're going to have to call. Um, you're going to need a tough stomach. Guess what? When you hire a general contractor to fix a house, I don't know if you ever buy, buy fix, and flip. They steal from you all the time. You get into a house. You find things where you thought one thing was okay. A good example would be, like, let's say, drains. You're like, okay, drains. Um, so you go through, you replace the supply, but generally you leave the drains, um, paint the whole house, all that, and then you run the water, and it turns out some of your drains leak from your tub. And now you got to go through and pull the drains. That's something you can miss. Or you buy a house and you think everything's fine, then you find out that uh, it's all knob and tube. Google that if you know what I'm talking about. Knob and tube, that's that old wiring, right? And they lift that old wiring in the house back. They didn't even have computers or even fucking TVs, right? Because everybody had one light and they sat around listening to the radio and it was still dangerous, right? So now you're rewiring the house because you missed it. Things happen. You miss things. So you need to have a stomach for it. People steal from you. Also, during the construction process, a lot of times your house gets broken into, period, into report. Now, I don't want to scare you because it's nowhere near as bad as it was. I mean, when I was here in 2007, 2008, especially in 2008, and I was doing a lot of buy, fix, flip. Oh my God. I basically counted on replacing 70% of my furnaces during the construction process. That seems insane, but we we're buying them so cheap. It didn't matter, but you just, it's nowhere near as bad. It's a fraction of the theft it used to be, but it still is a problem, especially if you can't get it done in a timely manner and you don't put a person in the house. If you're going to do construction, you need to hire somebody who's going to have somebody sleep in the house. 
That's just what you have to do. Sometimes you charge 10 bucks a day. Sometimes you charge 20 bucks a day, 25 bucks a day. Consider that. Put that in there. Or you're going to buy a team. All right. And this is also fraught with danger because of these jackals out there. And they know, and you know who they are. Most of them, not all of them, make promises they can't keep, right? This is where I'm going to be a little hard on you, right? And I used to be one of these people, so know that it's coming from a good place before I tear you a new asshole, right? Stop being so fucking gullible, all right? I understand that in England you can't buy a brick house at these prices, right? Your gullibility, your unwillingness to get on a fucking plane and fly out here, your unwillingness to Google the people you're working with, um, your inability to do any due diligence whatsoever, and then let these people convince you to invest, and this happens all the time, all the time. This happens all the time. Your entire life savings in Detroit real estate, and your dumbass didn't even fly out here to get on the ground and look at it. And you want to cry and play the victim. Now, yes, you are the victim of a terrible crime, but you're also kind of a fucking moron, okay? I love you, but that's the truth right there. That's real talk, right? And I was one of these people too, to a certain extent. I invested in Detroit from the state of Washington, not the same from California or England, but I get it. I didn't see. I hired people. I got ripped off multiple times. I bought a house in the wrong area. I Trust me, this is kind of like the pot, the, what do you call this, the thing, the pot calling the kettle black, whatever. It's just because I lived it, right? Stop being so fucking naive. Stop thinking that everybody has your best interest at heart. And most importantly, get off your ass. If you really want to do this, get on a plane, fly over here, check out, go to there. Okay, so you, Mr. Mister Seller, you have this wonderful team and you're selling me a turnkey uh, property. Uh, I'd like to come fly out and check out your offices. I'd like to fly out, meet your property management company. I want to see these neighborhoods. I want to walk them with the renters in it. I want to see the leases. I want to see proof of payment from the leases. Do you see where I'm going with this? I want to double check my rehab is done correctly. Okay, so now this might cost you a couple grand between flights and hotels. But when you're talking about investing where most of these scams happen in that forty dollars to $50,000 range where they're making, they're putting pig uh, lipstick on a pig, they're taking a C and they're trying to make it look like an A, which is very easy to do in um, um, East Detroit and that areas I'm talking about. And they're selling it to you at A prices and they're generally doing a shit rehab and all you get is like 10 pictures. New, 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 new. Spend a couple grand, come out, check out the operation, right? Period, end of report. So some tips on how to avoid that shit too. There are a few exceptions to this, and I know them personally. I'm not going to mention names right now. But for the most part, the vast majority of the people who offer rent and maintenance guarantees are fucking crooks. Period. End of report. I would say 95%. Do you know what you can't avoid in rental real estate? Vacancy. You know what you can't avoid in rental real estate? Maintenance. You just can't avoid it. There's theft. People move out. People die. People get kicked off Section 8. People steal shit on the way out. Anybody making you promises like that should remind you um, of the creepy guy who's trying to get in your pants and close the deal on the first date. That should exactly be what it reminds you of. I hate to say it in such stark terms, but that's exactly the way it is. So... 
no rent guarantees for the most part. There's a few exceptions. And they, and these few exceptions would not mind you flying out and checking out their operation, by the way. That's how you'll know. They'll, you can go to their offices. You can meet their team. They'll tell you if this is an A, B, or C neighborhood. They'll just tell you, are you a high risk or a low risk or a medium risk, right? They're just t- they will tell you. They will walk you through. They will, they will tell you these problems. They will show you everything. They will say you need to buy 10, too. They're not just going to try and sell you one just to sell you one. And you're like, you're going to buy one? They're like, no, you shouldn't buy one. You should buy a 10. Oh, I want to buy one. Well, sorry, I can't help you. They will tell you these things. Yes, they want the sale. Yes, they want to make money, but not at the expense of murdering your uh, retirement or whatever money you have, right? So be careful about that. Um, definitely get a ticket. Definitely come out. And if when you're looking at the numbers, Let's run through let's run through some numbers here, right? So let's let's do a an ROI. That's a return on investment, right? This is for single family homes. These this works, right? So what are we looking at here? So we're going to take what your um you call it net operating income, right? And you're gonna divide that by your purchase price. And if you're not buying a turnkey, this will be purchase and rehab costs, right? So let's let's run some numbers. Let's take uh, one of my, I love A properties uh, in Detroit. Medium risk, but I like it. So a good A property rent would be 800 bucks a month. So in a year, you're looking at gross rent at $9,600, right? Sounds like a good deal. Well, obviously you're gonna have to take property taxes out of that, right? So property taxes in general, you definitely wanna look, but I'm just gonna go with 2000. That's an average Detroit property tax. And that's property tax, right? You're gonna have insurance, insurance costs, right? And they're kind of high in Detroit. And this this is a range, but in general, you can get decent, um, not great insurance. You can't get great insurance in Detroit, but you can get decent insurance in Detroit for about 800 bucks a month. Right. So now you're like, okay, that's it. No, 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 no. Yes, these houses are fully rehabbed, but most of these houses were built 70 to 100 years ago. Nothing stays new. It all takes maintenance, and people living in homes wear them out. So you're going to need some sort of maintenance fund. I do 10% of annual rent. That's a conservative number. I like it. Um, I'm also, when you say, why so high? Because at some point you are going to have to replace the roof, right? There are some things that are going to have to be updated. You know, sure, the kitchen might be in good shape, but if it's 25 years old and you plan on renting it for 10 years and then flipping it, you're probably going to have to put in a new kitchen at some point. Uh, maybe the roof is it's a good roof, but it has 15 years left on it. At some point, um, you're going to have to um, put on a new roof, right? There, there are maintenances. Uh, your furnace is going to go out. You're going to have to repair it. Maybe you're even going to have to replace it. There's some things you can't even anticipate. New regulations, political climates coming down, right? So set aside 10% in maintenance. Also, you're going to have vacancy. And what is vacancy? Vacancy is a period of time when either your house is empty and nobody's paying rent or they're living in there and they're not paying rent, right? And I do um, 10% for vacancy, 10% for rent. And then you're going to have property management fees, right? Lots of property management companies in Detroit. I got a few that I, um, a few that I highly recommend 
definitely come out and still meet them. But in general, and some are fixed fees, some take a percentage, but I'm just going to go with a percentage. Your property management is going to be 10%. Right? And that, when I say 10%, I say 10% of annual collected rent. So, point three. So, if you take 9,600 and multiply it by 0.3, 30%, that means your maintenance, your vacancy, and your property management are going to be about 28.80 a year. Right? So now we're going to go back to this return on investment numbers. This is an annual number, right? This would be an annual API, right? So this is not talking about reinvesting your money back in, just the money you put in versus the money you're pulling out. So your um, net operating income is going to be 9,600 minus 2,000 minus 800 minus 2,880, that gives you a net operating income of $3,920. And let's say you can, I don't know, I'll go with 35000 That's probably pretty aggressive for most of you people. It's probably closer to forty in this A neighborhood. But hey, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're a good negotiator. You came over, you did all your work. You, you negotiated the best deal you can, right? So let's divide it by 35000 And this would be purchase. I'm assuming you're either buying it turnkey at this price and or purchase and rehab your acquisition costs. And this gives you a conservative return on investment of 11.2%. All right. For a property, that's very conservative, by the way, but that's what you're going to be looking at. Generally, that's why I tell people that 10 to 12%, they go, it's so much higher when I do the calculations, but I'm like, yes, you're not taking everything into account, right? This is also why people get very attracted to that B and especially that C stuff, right? Because you start running these numbers and they they go plus 20 very fast, very, very fast. Um, but then you got you got to deal with more turnover, right? So when you're looking at marketing now and you go, what, 11.2%, um, that's not that great of a return. Well, this is also very conservative. And yeah, it is a pretty great return. I mean, if you're a landlord, I don't know what kind of return you're getting. 11.2%, a very conservative 11.2% is a good return. And this is before you take into account things like depreciation, um, tax write-offs, things like that. This number, if you actually take it into what would actually be your internal rate of return, right, which I'm not going to get into right now, would be significantly higher. But just taking just a snapshot, comparing, trying to compare apples to apples, the money you put in versus the money you pull out, and not reinvesting any money you get, 11.2% is pretty fucking good, right? As also, you're not taking an insane amount of risk for that 11.2%. You're at a, a solid medium risk on this, right? Now, your B and C stuff, you end up in the high teens to high 20s really fast, depending on the amount of risk you want to take, right? So if somebody's trying to sell you that A property and they're trying to sell it to you at a fucking stupid return on investment, be wary. Just be wary. Now, that being said, there are good deals. I work 70, 80 hours a week. I wholesale. That's what I spend most of my time doing. I'm also a real estate agent. Um, I like to list people's property, try and sell them for top dollar. So what what I mostly focus on is selling nice property for top dollar or working with investors to get really good deals and selling them for cash. That's that's what I do. So 
I can go out and find these deals, right? What I can't do is find a hundred of them. I just can't. They're just, I'm sure there are a hundred out there. I just can't find them all. And I work 70, 80 hours a week and I have a small team that works with me and we're very aggressive. We cold call, we drive for dollars. We do all sorts of things to, I have a huge referral network. I'm basically constantly like running a net. If you think of it like from a fishing analogy, I'm running a net through the city of Detroit, just constantly looking for fucking deals everywhere. So occasionally I will be able to hit these numbers that you probably can't hit. But you got to realize if you're not doing that, it is very unlikely that you are to get these really high return on investments, rate of return, right? So that should be your first like, okay, oh, I can get 25% in this A neighborhood. You're like, wait a second. Let me look at those numbers. Oh. No maintenance, no vacancy, no property management. Well, I was assuming you're going to self-manage. Um, or they're giving you some BS numbers. Or, well, with our rent and maintenance guarantee, you don't need to worry about those things. Bullshit. With a few exceptions, it's absolutely bullshit. Stop being so fucking gullible. All right? So look at these things. Work, break them down. Make sure they're not too good to be true. Okay? And then work these numbers just like I work these numbers. Now, I just made one up, right? Now, what you don't want to do, this is kind of something my wife does. Love your wife, but um, you're so negative and you're so conservative, you can't get a deal. I run into people like this all the time. They're literally so fucking scared of doing a deal. Instead of, they go from the other, other direction where they're just gullible and dumb and will let these people fleece them out of their money. To the other side. Well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Well, if I can't get it for $15,000 and I'm not going to do it, you're just not going to do deals in any neighborhoods. Stop looking. Move along. You want to be in the middle. How do you know if that you're that person? I don't know. You just know. And I would say if you don't know, no is the answer. If you don't know, no is the answer. You're going to live a long time. I have lost millions of dollars in this fucking city. And people are like, oh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, but it's a lot harder to earn that money than it is to get it back after you lost it. Period. End of report. Slow down. Pace yourself. Fly out. Run the numbers. If there's any doubt, the answer is no. And I would even say even further, why not just invest in your own city? Why not invest where you're at with what you know, with who you know? If you're not the kind of person who wants to fly out here a couple times a year and be aggressive and get after it and buy multiple houses and um, look at things in the future and just be that kind of person, then don't. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Odds are your town needs investment. Odds are your spouse will be a lot happier with that. You'll, you'll probably be able to finance it easier too. So let's get into that too. By the way, you're going to be buying cash. Do not waste anybody's time asking about loans, even hard money loans. No, you're not going to get them. With very few exceptions, you're not going to get them. So in Detroit, you're buying with cash, and especially if um, you're out of country. You are not going to get a loan. Anybody telling you different is lying to you. And this is as of November 2016. Okay? I couldn't get a loan in the city of Detroit right now for more reasons than that. But even... 
as an investor, you're going to be capped at some point anyway. Some people can, right? But generally, they're going to cap you at something like four to 10 mortgages, and then you're all cash anyway. So to get these prices, you are going to be paying all cash. If you want to get a loan, which you can do in some parts of Detroit, if you're an American citizen with a social security number and a good credit score and a good debt to income, and you can put 20 or 30% down, you can get a loan in some parts of Detroit, but you're not going to get it at the, the buy cash, fix it up prices. Okay, because you'll be buying from someone who's a buy, fix, flip person, probably. Why would they take a loan, drag it out for a low all cat? With no, they're just not going to do it. All right, so be prepared to pay all cash. All right, um, the build a team. Let's go over to build a team. Who are you going to need on your team? Um, first and foremost, man. You're going to want to work some with some wholesalers like me. So there's lots of them. If you go through this podcast, uh, I'm going to just name a few real quick. Um, there's Steve Londo, 313cashdeals.com. There's um, uh, webuyroi.com. That's Mike Simmons and Mike Cowper. Um, I call them Mike Squared. They don't do too much in Detroit, but they do get some stuff in Detroit. Steve gets a ton of shit in Detroit because I give him all my shit to sell too. So he's actively working Detroit. And then I just work on getting the contracts and getting into them and he sells them. There's also um, Mr. Ron Walraven, like to call him the godfather of uh, real estate in Detroit. He's one of us. Sold thousands of properties. Um, He's a wholesaler. He's an investor. He buy, fix, and flips. He's just a knowledgeable dude. Just knows a ton of stuff. Nice, honest, direct, terse. Um, Can't say enough nice things about him. And that's um, iBuyMIHomes.com, all right? iBuyMIHomes.com. I hope I got that right. hope I didn't fuck that up. So you're going to know some wholesalers. And there's a lot more, too. So if you're going to come out, visit. I have There are lots of um, networking meetings, real estate networking meetings, where we have Renegade Detroit Investors. That's mine. We got the Metro Detroit Real Estate Meetup. That's uh, Tom Otterman and Aaron Yates Group. We got um, Oakland Ria. Um, I think Drew Seget runs that one. Then we got Emria. That's Wendy Patton's meeting. Then we got Macomb Ria. That'd be Dylan Tanaka's meeting. And then if you go downriver, um, you have the Wayne Ria, which is, um, oh my God, let me see. What's the Wayne Ria? What is it? Wade. Sorry. I can't remember your last name, dude. Um, anyway, tons of meetings. And these are just the ones. Uh, oh, then the Borland Group, um, they have a podcast that I do. The Borland Group meets on the Saturday. It's like an intimate coaching thing. So lots of networking. You're going to want to meet lots of people. So first of all, if you want good deals and you're going to buy and fix, you're going to want to get with some wholesalers. You're also going to want to know um, a real estate agent. And this gets a little tricky because, and I am a real estate agent, and I hate real estate agents, and I'm on a real estate agent team. It does seem hypocritical, but we're not the same. But um, investors waste a lot of agents' time and vice versa, frankly. So the problem when you're when you're kind of working in these um, Detroit areas and you're kind of combing through the MLS, you shouldn't expect much in the way of service. And the reason is because the commissions are so low that, in general, they're going to do – they're basically working for about $500, right? Expect that. So you go, hey – um, I want you to submit a hundred offers. We're going to take the best deal we can. Next thing you're going to hear is the sound of the ringtone. Okay. But you are going to need a good real estate agent for several reasons. Um, 
they'll be able to get you access to information primarily, right? They'll be able to get you access to comps. You're probably going to have to pay for this, right? They're probably not going to do it for free unless you list a house with them to sell or you go out of your way to um, make them some money. And before you all get butt hurt about all this future business you billionaires are going to do, you're not going to fucking do it. God damn, you losers with this shit. If you just get through your head that you won't work for free, so other people are unlikely to work for free, you'll get a lot further in life. And I'm sorry if I'm talking down to some of you that don't do this. I know you don't all do it back. Most of you don't. But the investors do tend to bring this out more where I expect everybody to work for free and I make all the money. You're going to be up shit creek without a paddle pretty fast. Or you're going to be working with people with sharks looking to fleece you the first opportunity they get. Working with a nice dude out of California who literally, I mean, I'm sure at this point a prison rape would have been better for him. I mean, he got hit for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Shit houses, shit neighborhoods, shit rehabs, shit tenants. He's walking with pennies on the dollar. He ran, and he's a nice guy too. He's a nice guy. There's nothing wrong with this guy, right? And I think he should have done a little bit more due diligence. And I'm, I definitely told him that, and he got excited. And I think he knows that now. He made some mistakes. Fortunately, he bought some shit in the suburbs too. Good guy. He's probably listening right now. Love you, dude. I hate to use you as an example here, but this is the kind of thing that can happen um, when you're not careful, right? And he, I must, he didn't uh, expect people to do things for free, but he got hooked up for one of these people who expect everybody to do things for free and just rape, pillage, and plunder, right? And it could be a very expensive lesson. And by the way, before you get all judgmental, this happened to me too. I did it. So I feel like if I did it, I can talk about it anyway. And I'm going to talk about it anyway, no matter how you feel about it. So you need a good, a good agent. You're going to need access to information that you can't get any other way. Public records, information, comps, what are things renting for? What are things selling for? Um, be prepared to pay um, for some of this, right? Um, property manager, so essential. So essential. So essential. It's going to be the only recommendation I make. Legal disclaimer, I don't get any money from these people. They're not paying me to do it, and I'm not telling you because they're paying me to do it. I'm telling you because if you're going to do it, you're going to need a good property manager. And I recommend at this point in time in the city of Detroit, just two. There's probably some more out there that are good. I just don't know them. Take this with a grain of salt. Do all your own due diligence. But I really like intercastle.com. The name of the company is Castle. There's some pros and cons with these these kids. These are, this is a young startup. They're like heading into th- uh, three years now. They're growing rapidly. I'm talking smart. Um, these, these guys are, and gals too, are smart, super smart, hardworking, aggressive money, big name money back in their, their company. If they make it, they're going to go nationwide. Um, they're killing it in Detroit, their weaknesses, which if you go to Intercastle, you can actually sign up and get their monthly, um, I love it, their monthly newsletter. And they tell you, they basically tell you what they're sucking at, what they're going to improve. Like, Hey, we did this really well. Hey, we suck at this. We need to improve this. I love the transparency. They're not real estate guys. Now, they're rapidly becoming real estate guys, but they're software developers kicking ass, which, by the way, their software is fucking amazing. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's amazing. I mean, the transparency is absolutely amazing. You always know what's going on with your property. They have a hard time with maintenance. So if you're going to dabble in this, um, for sure, C is out, right? So you're going to go to your C neighborhood. you you're going to have lots of maintenance. You're, you, they're not going to be a good fit for that. 
Some of your B neighborhoods, they will if you're aggressive, right? And or if you don't mind spending a little money with them. They're not going to rehab. They're going to refer you out, but they will do some minor maintenance. They're awesome at A stuff. I highly recommend if you got A stuff, man, they'll do a great job because they're, they're real weakness um, and they're working all the time to improve it. And I'm sure they're, they might even already have it fixed, but they're going to have it fixed in the next year, year and a half for sure. So they're just not real estate people. They don't know what it costs to fix things. And um, they get taken advantage of a lot too, because they don't know these things. Now they're rapidly learning, but you know, they do better with the A stuff, frankly, and they're very affordable. They charge a flat rate, 85 bucks a month. Um, they don't even charge you to place tenants, right? So this would be when I say a la carte, um, they're property managers. They're not rehabbers. They're not maintenance people. They're not a one stop shop, right? They are transparent. You always know what's going on. They're honest, they're hardworking, and they're reliable, right? Not perfect. Give them a good solid A minus, right? And then highly recommend, he can be a little, his attitude can be a little caustic sometimes, Brent Maxwell. So um, he's a property manager. He can also sell you some stuff. He's honest. He has A, B, C stuff all across the board. Um, This would be your full service property management companies, right? And this is also one of the the companies, even though I don't like that he does it, um, he does a rent maintenance guarantee, but his actually means something because he's not a liar and a fucking thief like a lot of these other people are. The reason I don't like it because the industry is just when you, I think when you use those, you just, you attract a lot of bad attention. I think he's doing the right thing um, with these things, but he's, this would be your full service um, property uh, management company. And you can find him at IPSRealty.com. Again, he's not perfect, right? Um, He charges more. It's a full service, man. You decide what you want, right? So, you know, he does have a flat rate now, but um, he does charge more. Uh, If you're going to be, especially, I think he'd do a good job with the A stuff too, obviously. He's honest. He's hardworking. Um, BC stuff especially, right? He, he has the cruise. He know he's a real estate guy. He's a real, so unlike castle, he's a real estate guy in property management where a castle are software developers and startup and property management. So he's, he's a true, he's us basically. Um, he is a real estate investor. This is all he does. He's been doing it for a long fucking time. Um, so some of the stuff he's not going to be as good at, right? So he, I don't think, um, he's the best property manager. But what he is, is a great full service property manager. He can take you from A to Z and do the whole thing start to finish. And you're not going to get raped doing it. He charges fair prices. He knows when he's getting ripped off and he won't do it. He knows how to do the right fixes. And more importantly, he knows the kind of work you put into an A property, the kind of work you put into a B property and the kind of work you put into C property, right? He'd be the perfect guy to use if you're going to stack up a bunch of these C and B properties, right? He would love that. And uh, he would be a very good person to help you with that. You can buy these properties. You could probably even run it by him before you buy them. Get his opinion. He might charge you something. But um, so you're going to need property managers, right? What else are you going to need, right? You're going to need insurance. So um, lots of ways to get insurance. I recommend two people. Um, first, my man, Chris Mosier, one of the first people I met in Detroit, one of my favorite people in the world. You probably hear my my bro crush I have on this guy. He's just a really solid dude. Imagine one of those people who somehow always does the right thing. 
It's not that things don't happen or bad things don't happen in his life. He just always does the right thing. Go to simplifiedinsuranceagency.com. Love the dude, not the cheapest, full service. He can't help everyone. If he can't help you, he will point you in the right direction. This guy's so good. If somebody else can do it better, cheaper, he sends you there. I don't know what else you can say about the guy. Simplifiedinsuranceagency.com. Um, also, Mr. Howard Jennings, who I had on the podcast. I got to try and remember his website when I'm talking. And this guy is interesting. So he is a prop. What do you, what do you call himself? He manages the property, not tenants, right? So if you're out of country investor, especially, this is where he, he comes in handy. So he has, first of all, he has insurance. He has a group policy. He can get you on that group policy. Um, it's a cheap group policy. He can hook you up. He does that. He also does it. To help you set up your LLCs, which is your asset protection. He can um, help you set up a bank account legally, so you can you can do these things. And there's a ton of services you can do. He can go down to see Detroit for you, register your city rental. He he has a lot of services. He really does help a lot of um, overseas investors out. And let me see if I can find that website for you. Stateside APM, statesideapm.com. All right. So you need insurance. Um, you're probably going to need, um, depending on the property manager you use or whether you do your own stuff, you're probably going to need some sort of attorney, um, some sort of eviction attorney as well. Uh, going to need a general contractor too. Uh, I don't make recommendation in this man. Never do. I don't know if I ever will. When I was doing all the buy, uh, fix, flip stuff, man, it just seems like with general contractors, I know there's some good ones out there. This is a gross generalization, but, uh, man, just, they're good for like three to seven and they start stealing from you and doing a shit job and you just got to rotate them out. So if you're going to be that hero, you got to go find your own. Highly recommend you network for that one. Reach out. I just don't do any referrals for that anymore because it's just thankless. At least these people I refer, I know for a fact, aren't going to fuck me. I cannot say the same thing with general contracts. I give enough general contractor referrals out that um, very expensive way um, to, you know, just you refer it out. They, they think it's good. They take it. You know, they don't do any due diligence and it's your fault when it all goes bad. And they, these guys just go bad. These guys and gals go bad a lot. So you're going to need some sort of general um, contractor to manage uh, your rehab. So in a nutshell, boom, that's what you need if you're going to build a team and it's highly important that you come out here and you do this stuff yourself or you're going to buy a team and then I still recommend you come out. I just don't think there's any way for you to avoid coming out. You got to come out. You probably got to come out a couple times a year. That would be my guess. So that's another reason why I think you should buy more if you're going to invest in Detroit because you're going to have to offset your, your you know, if you're, depending on where you're coming from, could cost you three grand to do it, right? Most of, most people is going to be a couple grand, right? So, I mean, you're what are we talking about here? So, this a example I gave you where your net operating income for your annual rental basically four grand a year. If you have one property, you're going to spend half that to come out. That's going to drop your return from eleven point two percent to five point one percent, right? Safety in numbers. Buy more. There's basically no way you can avoid um, getting out. So, let's cover some more strategies too, because there's some people talking about strategies, right? There's a ton of people who buy, fix, rent, and flip to people overseas um, or out of state, right? Not all of them are bad, but that is a way you can make money. 
even if you're overseas, I know some people doing it. People doing it here too. I know some people doing it. I can't say I'm 100% happy with everybody. Um, I was very picky when I did it, but fr- frankly, I didn't execute that well. I had problems with property management. It's a very difficult thing. There wasn't inner castle back then when I was doing most of this stuff. It's just a challenging um, thing to do. So that's one strategy um, people have. There's also some people who do land contract stuff. It's a form of seller financing. This can be very confusing for you if you're overseas. This is basically where the seller finances the sale of the home via installment payments, right? So instead of say, hey, your rent payment is 500 bucks a month, a land contract is basically an agreement that says, I'm going to sell your property for... I sell you a property for X amount of money. Let's say it's $10,000 and I'm going to charge you 8% interest. And by the way, it's going to be amortized over 10 years. So you pay me 500 bucks a month for 10 years and the house is yours. Something like that. I don't even know if those numbers make sense. It's just pulling the shit out of my head, right? So you as the seller are selling a property to an ind- a private individual on installment payments. Just like if you're going to buy a car without the bank, right? There's no bank involved. The seller is financing the property. This is something I used to love to do. Um, first of all, I like dealing with homeowners better. Plus, I can get a down payment. However, laws and times have changed. The creeping, um, I would say, what's the nicest way to say? We're just going to a more European style legislation. More and more regulation. And the Elizabeth Warrens of this world hate seller financing. They want you to become a licensed lender to sell your own house on installment payments. They want you to underwrite the loan exactly the same way the big banks are going. To me, it looks like protection from big banks who don't want competition on loans, even though they wouldn't give loans on these properties. Anyway, the long and short of this is, if you go back and listen to Alan Daniels podcast, the first one I did, or number 62, or maybe it's 63, 63, um, where we talk about these things, right? And you decide if it's worth the risk or not. I would say no. It is not worth the risk because all I need is some high and mighty person from Washington, from the Credit Protection Bureau, whatever that is, and um, tell me what I can and can't do and if I have to take the property back. Anyway, go back and listen to it. You can do up to five a year. This is as of November 2016. Um, But that's not a good business model, obviously, and it certainly wasn't for me. Maybe it would be for you. The positive side to land contracts, because there is one, is the home ownership mentality is way better than the rental mentality. Just is. Just is. I love that's one of the main reasons I love land contracts. Um, they put they put a down payment down. That's what it's called, a down payment. So they have some skin in the game. They don't want to walk away from it. Um, and they stick around longer, right? So more more of these work out. You can you can fix some profit now. So you don't have to worry about a property appraising, right? So if you go through a lender, they're going to order an appraisal. Maybe the appraisal comes back and maybe it doesn't. Maybe you decide to underwrite the individual differently than the bank, right? To you, they qualify because even if you don't like them as much, maybe they have a bigger down payment and you feel like the risk is okay. Um, You're not going to have to worry about maintenance in a situation like this unless you have to take it back because homeowners take care of maintenance. So you're also far less likely to have vacancy. Right. So what you, you'd be underwriting based on default at that point in time and how much risk and how much the down payment was and what the interest rate was. And you can't do more than 12% in the state of Michigan, but you could do a land contract up to 12%. 
Um, you can pick whatever price you want and work it backwards. It could be for five years, it could be for 10 years. Just be as creative as you want it to be. Uh, seek legal counsel, disclaimer. Be a fucking adult. Um, some negatives, right? Obviously, anytime you do a land contract, you're opening yourself up to liability with the new um, uh, was it, Consumer Credit Protection Bureau, whatever it is. Fin- no, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Sorry. Um, autonomous, by the way, appointed by the president, not elected in, um, with an unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. And they hate seller financing. So that's a risk. Um, they're very negative in how they do their underwriting too. They're basically saying if you don't underwrite it correctly and they go back and Monday morning, Monday morning quarterback, you, that's basically where they go back and with all the facts and everything laid out as it happened, even though there's no way for you to know in advance, they will do that. They will say, you should have known that give you a good, good example that, um, Alan Daniels gave me, you should have known that their car was 10 years old and, um, the, engine goes out at 120,000 miles and you should have been able, you should have anticipated that that would have happened and they didn't have enough in savings for them to do that and there you go now you're fined maybe they get to stay in the house longer um, that's the kind of thing that could happen also with a land contract land contract is whether it's filed or not is an equitable interest in the property whether it's filed or not does not have to be filed obviously i recommend filing it because then it's on title but um, it is an equitable interest in the property. What does that mean in the state of Michigan? It means redemption rights. So it's not the same as a mortgage, though. So in the state of Michigan, if they stop paying, you have to foreclose instead of evict, right? So an eviction will take four to six weeks. A foreclosure followed by an eviction, there's a 90-day redemption period, and then you can start the eviction process. So potentially, they could jam you up for something like 14 to maybe 16 weeks over to four to six, right? State of Michigan, it's not New York, it's not California, but it's kind of in between. So there's, there's that risk. And that's a long time to not get paid. And a foreclosure is more expensive than an eviction, about twice as expensive. So your, your average eviction, by the time you include the cost of a dumpster, probably going to run you about $1,500, could cost you up to $3,000, probably more like 2500 to foreclose on the properties. You're going to have loss of rent in the meantime. So um, definitely some pros and cons there. Also, a lot of people like to buy multifamily homes. Um, these would be like duplexes, triplexes, or fourplexes. With few exceptions, I do not recommend that you do that unless you live here and you're a high-risk individual. Uh, the reason why I say that is in Detroit, single-family homes rent so cheap that apartments in general rent even cheaper, and multifamily and apartments compete against each other. That means you're you're competing against somebody who has 25 units who doesn't mind discounting down the 400, right? And maybe that includes heating too. Oh, yeah, you heating and cooling's on us, so 400 bucks a month. Um, I know it seems counterintuitive, but in, in Detroit, the competition for a multifamily home, a duplex with a few exceptions, um, that is going to be competing with apartments. Um, the very bottom, the, you're competing with people who can't even afford to pay 500 bucks to live in a crappy Detroit single family home. So they're renting for 400 bucks, right? There are a few areas where there are exceptions. I would say it's about 90% true. Um, 
also for unless utilities are separated, which is few and far between, you're going to get stuck eating the heating and cooling bill. Um, if there is cooling, you, you, or you have to try and split it between the tenants. Yeah, you can try and see how that goes. Anyway, just fraught with danger. Don't recommend it unless you live here and or you have an extremely um, high appetite for risk. All right. So there you go, folks. Down and dirty. I think I covered everything. Um, you can still get deals off the MLS as an investor in Detroit. Um, you're going to have to work with somebody on the ground. I don't, uh, um, obviously, if you can't be here, I recommend if you're going to do that, do it in person too. Same thing if you're working with wholesalers. You, you just want to see what they have available while they're there, at least until you have a, a good relationship with someone and, and work from there. Let's work on being less gullible. Okay, let's work on doing our due diligence. And I know I've done this, so it's like the pot can call the kettle black, but it's because I love you guys and I care about you, all right? So it's tough love here, right? Let's just work on being less gullible. Let's work on doing our due diligence. Let's work on coming out and visiting the city of Detroit. And let's work on being honest with ourselves. Um, if you're not that medium to high risk kind of person, there's nothing wrong with that takes all sorts of people in this world, right? Give you an example. I am a high risk kind of guy in general, and I've kind of moderated myself back to a medium risk. And my wife is extremely low risk. And I think that's a good combination for us, right? Keeps me a little bit more level headed. I don't take as many risks, but I certainly take significantly more risk than she would. I know that's the kind of person I am. I also know she's a low risk person. I know that she's looking out for me and my best interests. She cares about us as a couple and as a family. Um, it's not a bad thing to be a low risk individual. You're looking for stability and you low risk means you're, you're trying to protect your capital, right? So just know who you are as an individual, do your research, Google, know your neighborhoods, figure out what strategy you want to deploy. Do you want to build a team? Do you want to buy a team? Do you want to go for a property, B property, C property? Um, you decide and you control it. You make trips out here. You build your team or buy a team. Even if you're buying a team, make sure you physically come out and check out their operation. All right, folks, I hope this helps a lot. Um, I imagine this is going to be accurate for a long time. This is recorded November 2016. This is the podcast I'm going to put out to people who asked me a bunch of questions about investing in Detroit. Now, I didn't cover everything. There's a lot of things I didn't cover. Like maybe you want to, you're a super high risk person, capital appreciation. You want to go for some high end condos downtown, which are going fucking crazy prices, like 400 bucks a square foot. I shit you not. In some areas, um, I didn't cover that. I covered 80%. This is going to work for 80% of you. This is going to point you in the right direction. And in the spirit of this podcast, don't trust a word I said. Go. Do your own due diligence. I highly recommend it. In fact, maybe you just go, hey, this guy's no good. I'm just going to go Google everything he said and figure it out on my own, and I would love that. All right? That's what I'm trying to, to stop. Or let me tell you about the calls and emails I get. I'm the guy they call to come clean up the mess. I'm the guy they call when they've, they've gotten over the head, they've been taken advantage of, they realize they, you know, they can't handle this kind of risk. They don't like these sleepless nights. They hooked up with a bad general contractor. They're getting reamed by a bad property manager, so on and so forth. These things happen, man. 
these things happen. So, all right, folks, that's it for this week. Um, if you haven't already and you enjoy these podcasts, do me a favor. Go to iTunes and rate and review. This really, that's one of the best things you can do for this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to help me out, rate and review on iTunes. I'm over 40 now. I would like to get, um, by the end of the year, over 60 if possible. And in the iTunes world, this really does matter. So, and if you don't enjoy it, don't do it, please. All right. I'm not trying to bully you into doing it, but if you do, I just, you know, you're listening to free podcasts. It takes a lot of time and effort in this. And one way you can help me out and show me some appreciation if you enjoy it is rate and review it on iTunes. If you're a super fan, which I know a bunch of you are, I see you. I love you guys. Um, share this across social media. Share. My goal is to somehow monetize this podcast at some point in time. And how I'm going to do, the only way that will even make sense is I need to in- increase my weekly listeners. Right now, I'm about 700 to 8, no, seven, we'll call it 750 a week. I want to get to 5,000 in the next nine months, right? And the only way that's going to happen is you talk to your friends about it. You share it across social media. If you enjoy this, so if you've been tuning into these things, so Monday, I release podcasts basically four days a week, right? So on Monday, I have the Borland Group podcast, Real Deals, Real Returns. It's a short podcast, 15 to 25 minutes. We talk about deals he's done. All right, that's uh, Dylan Borland from the Borland Group with David Tupin. On Tuesdays, we got Flip This Podcast with Steve Londo, the wholesaler extraordinaire, the hustler running around just getting deals, flipping contracts. Um, cool podcast, man. I really enjoy it. It has some hip-hop music on it. It's real gritty. Um, I really enjoy it. It's heavy emphasis on wholesaling, though, so if you're overseas and all that, I'm not sure it's as beneficial. But the cool thing we do is we pitch deals, and I love selling deals, folks, and we have fun with it. So I, you know, I, I embellish and go over, not in the details, but you know, I like to sell things in creative ways and it's a fun way to do it. And it's Steve's podcast and I love helping him with it. And I think he's doing a good job with it on Wednesdays. It's this podcast, Renegade Short Investor Podcast, where normally I sit down with somebody and pick their brain and get their life story and what they did wrong and what they did well and all the things that they have to offer that, you know, I think we can learn from and improve ourselves as investors and real estate agents and business people and maybe even people just in general right and that's man that could be long podcast you know i think the longest one i did was like three hours and 50 minutes man i don't give a fuck thursday story time with jeff if you like whiskey bourbon scotch i don't even understand the difference between all these but let me tell you who does mr jeff rabinowitz he has an excellent blog also on um, Bigger Pockets called Confessions of a Private Lender. It's biggerpockets.com and just go and search Confessions of a Private Lender. Well, now he does a weekly podcast with me, a story time with Jeff. I produce his podcast and he has he pulls out some awesome whiskey, bourbon, or scotch um, that he really likes, sips it, talks about it, talks about the history of it. Man, people are digging this podcast. I'm even drinking. I think it's fun. I just think they go well together. Get a lot of positive feedback on this. And then he tells a story. He tells a, he tells a story about a deal he did or a deal he didn't do or an interaction he had. Um, I think it's great. I think he's a cool dude, too. And he's out there, dude, too. He's not for everybody, right? He's not for everybody. But if you like him, you're really going to dig him, I think. So I also record um, the monthly Renegade Joint Investor Meeting. And uh, also uh, do the monthly Borland Group meetup. So I do post those on here as well. So putting out tons of free content. And these people I'm working with, Dylan Borland, dude, dude does 70 to 90 flips a year. 
netting over a million, man. Steve out there on Tuesdays wholesaling. Um, me out there crushing it all the time. Thursday, Jeff, he hasn't crushed anything, but you know he's do he's living his life exactly how he wants to, and I think there's power in that too. And all these people take time out of their day to do this. Help us out, man. Rate and review on iTunes. Share it across the internets. Um, all that stuff really does help. And for everybody who already has, because I know a bunch of you have, I get to see you every week. Thank you so much. Um, I really do appreciate it. Everybody who hasn't, I know I got to earn my way into it, but I appreciate you get out there and uh, knock that out. Um, if you haven't already, go to renegadetroit.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, if you're interested in any of the local uh, meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadetroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Jeremy Burgess and go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And I highly recommend you go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Even if you don't want to attend the local meetings, I post there every day. I post a quote or almost every day. Um, also, I do live wholesale calls and training. I record these things on Facebook Live, and I share the feed to there. So you can go there, and you can catch that stuff if you're interested in that sort of thing. Or if you just want to see me work deals, or you want to get better on the phone, or I don't know, you're just bored and you want to watch it. People really enjoy it, so I keep doing it. So helps a lot of people out as well. And as I wrap up this podcast, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I'm going to do this every week until you do it. Come on, man. Get after it. I know there are distractions. I know there are mistakes, setbacks, um, shit jobs you got to do. Maybe you didn't get a great start in life. Maybe you're waking up. Maybe you're 60 and you realize how fucked you are, right? Maybe you're 20. It doesn't matter. Pick some goals. Stick with it. Don't give up. Fail fast. Correct quick. That's the important part. I failed fast, but I didn't correct quick. And do something every day that gets you close to your goals, even if it's one step. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate your attention. And until the next podcast, crush it.